This week on S4C, the Scottish crew are back down south at Jenner Park, ready for the big game between Barrytown United and Ballatown. Barry looking to bounce back after a disappointing defeat up north at Carnarvon. Connors Key now top of the league. And they'll be facing a Ballatown team looking to get on a good little run themselves. So we will see now as things heat up. Nine games to go to see who will be the champions of the Welsh Premier League. And we start this weekend, 7.30 kickoff live on S4C. Barry Town United against Ballatown. He likes to tell you if anyone will listen About his seven caps his chocolate knees, his distinct lack of pace. Now it's a long shot, but in the long run, your blues will be long gone with the long man and the long man. Welcome to the Longmans Football World Podcast. We have got the first Welsh Premier League manager appearing as a guest, the one and only Andy Morrison. Big jock, Connorsky Nomads manager, top of the league at the moment, going for the Cups as well, promising to be such an exciting end to the season for, for those boys. Um, so we get into all of that. It was brilliant to have a conversation with him, sit down in his office and just chat football, chat about the Welsh Premier League, the standard, his plans as a manager, is he just looking at the job in hand? Is he looking further afield, looking to progress? We get into his playing career, club legend at Man City and the other clubs that he's played for. Wore his heart on his sleeve, no question about that. A fiery character, one not to be messed with. I ask him why he almost ran me off the road one time, just to question why myself and Malcolm Allen have been a little bit too critical of the way that they played. Um, feared for my life, I've got to be honest. He's a big guy. But it was brilliant to sit down, get into his mindset and his hopes for the future. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation with the one and only Mr Andy Morrison. Here we go. The Connorsky Manager's Office. Welcome to the podcast, Mr Andy Morrison. Thanks very much. Looking forward to this. First podcast? Um, no, I've done a couple with City and um, and Manchester Evening News and things like that, but first time with you. Yeah, there you go. Let's, let's not mess about. Let's get straight into it. Current current season going really well. We're at the split. There's 10 games to go. You're right in the mix. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, where we'd want to be um, this, this at this stage... 
it's always you know in football you know yourself you're always looking at the last result which is kind of you know going to come out and getting beaten you know and it just leaves a sour taste really until the chance you get again to correct it because you know the more you're in football it becomes you know losing is catastrophic and winning is just relief and um, you know when you just go from week to week and you know losing down at Camarden in the manner in the 96th minute you know um, was hard to take because we, we did actually play quite well but that's football you know so we've had to wait for a few weeks now to try and put that right we got Camarden funnily enough ironically you know in the cup in the next game and um, you know we'll be looking looking to put that right but yeah we're in a healthy position you know to be a point off TNS at this stage of the season with you know they've dropped points we've dropped points and Barry have had a you know have had a fantastic run so um, it just sets us up nicely for the last 10 games and even more I think it's more important that there's three teams in it rather than two yeah. you know and the fact that maybe one would drop off because with a format you know you're going to we're going to be playing Barry so somebody's going to be picking points up and TNS will be playing Barry and they're all really tough games so uh, in a really healthy position again Saturday morning Saturday was a tough day because it was the League Cup final you know when we got knocked out in the in the semi and you know our standards have been that high this year on all fronts that you know that was a that was a tough one Saturday night to watch that because we should have been there you know we let ourselves down in the semi-final yes we had no striker on the day and you know and we completely dominated the game but you know they there was a ricochet for a goal for them and, and they dug in and and then they got the celebrations at the end and it was great for Christian I enjoyed you know because yeah. I think he's a great he's a top man you know he, he's um Done a, done a fantastic job there and he's also you know had a as we all have through periods you know he's had a tough injury list and you know I've, I've gone on record saying that if all them players have been fit from the start of the season you know they're a top four squad that they have there and um, I think their recent form has shown that now they've got players back although they did have the players back against us when we beat them 6-1 <laughs> um, but um, yeah it was nice to see him celebrate and, and and celebrate as well as if it wasn't just another trophy you know it meant so much. It, you it? could see it it was fabulous you know great I guess you, you'd be looking at that, you respect all opposition, um, but the fact that they then go through against the side who beat TNS in the semi, heavy favourites, Cardiff mm-hmm. men, mm-hmm. That, that, that's the position you would have been. So it's not as if you would have looked at it far from thinking, our name's on that trophy, if you get to the final, you still got to perform, but it would have just made it that little bit easier possibly to get your hands on another trophy. Uh, exactly, you know, I think once you've won a cup, like we did last year, you know, when you set the standards, you know, you want to keep, you know, if you qualify for Europe this year and you've won a cup, it's a very good year. Mm. And, um, you know, and yeah, so we were disappointed, but, you know, it would it would never have been a gimme because, um, you know, for a team to beat TNS on 3G, you know, it wasn't a mud heap of a pitch where you couldn't play. You know, it was an incredible achievement from them. Beat Barry, beat Newton, Incredible achievement to get to where they got. So, you know, with that belief and that momentum, they would have thought they could beat Cardiff Met as well. So mm. it would have been a tough game. But, yeah, great credit to Christian and, and Cardiff Met. You're talking there about the three-way. Um, not, it's not a three-way tie. There's a couple of points separating the three of you. But the fact that there are three teams now, because it's been crying out for somebody to close the gap. Mm-hmm. I know yourselves and Bangor pushed TNS a little bit, but you know they, they were just capable of going on these mad runs mm-hmm. that just blow people out of the water. Mm-hmm. Still possible. Yeah. But the fact that there is three of you now, that just adds something extra, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean? definitely. It's um, you know, it's asking a question of them as well. You know, a question that's not been put there. They will. You, you're right there. So you're bangering yourselves last year, but you're always chasing. You weren't too always, far away, but always yeah, chasing. Five or six, you know. And once they get that gap, like you say, you know, they're ruthless at home. 
they win games of football and they get into a momentum and the top six the, the fixture list and the way it sets itself out is really important because you know towards those last two or three games if there's teams that are purely focused on the playoffs then their structure their team and their setup will begin to reflect that not not about being you know throwing the game in any way but if you've got a couple of really key players mm. that you need to go into the semi-final and the final and they're carrying strains and they've been out you know, you'll take them out if you were pushing for the title you'd be going all out for every win mm. so you, you just start to see results you know I've said I've said many times that there's always one maybe a goal at the top two in these top six games and the games are so tight but when you get towards the end the seasons have shown me that you start getting three and four nils again you know, um, where teams are focusing really. They say, well, we're, we're cemented sixth, we can't get fifth now and maybe get home tie. So yeah. now let's look at the long, the longer term picture and, and then the results, I think, begin to reflect that a little bit. Um, we got Barry and TNS our last two games, so, you know, you'd like to think that it's in our hands at that point. You well, know? You, the three of you, yeah. you've got 10 games left, for the, exactly the same for the three clubs. If you yeah. win all 10 games, you win the league. So yeah, simple. Yeah, exactly. You can't ask for any simpler than that. No, it's um, yeah, and it's good. And I think, you know, I think for Scorio and I think for the Welsh League, um, I think it's really, really important that um, you know there is that competitive edge and that excitement that keeps that keeps people interested, you know, and wanting to watch the games of football because for so many years now it's been a procession for TNS, you know, and it's it's healthy that Barry have come through and. You know, and there is no, they're not a surprise package anymore. There's one reason why a team normally are successful, and it's because they've got good players. Mm. Barry have got good players throughout their squad on their bench. They have got a very, very strong group, and it, you know, and an exceptional ma- young manager as well. So there's no surprise where they are. Um, you know, they've, I think, down there with your Kenethley and your Neaths and that falling away over the years. You know, there's a little bit of a monopoly for a club that maybe are doing well and are able to pay a little bit more than what your Camarthens and the other teams around them can do. They can pick up the very best players and I think they have. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't guarantee a success, but you know they have a very, very strong group of players down there now. And obviously, momentum as well is on their side because they just keep reading results out, whether it's 2-1s or 3-2s. They keep getting on the right side of the of the of the victory, so fair play to them. I guess Leicester is the perfect example of, for them, you know, in, mm-hmm. in their position where before the season... No chance. Nobody yeah. would have said they were, they were going to be in the mix for the title. But they've now got in a position where you're talking mid to end of January, only 10 games to go. Yeah. Um, anything is possible mm-hmm. with, with that momentum, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You need, you need things to go your way a little bit in football, do you know? Over those 10 games, you need, you need to be on the right side of decisions within games, play a huge part. Um, you need an element of luck, mm-hmm. you know, um, that you like to think these things even themselves out over a season, and um, you know, but there's so many factors that play play into it. Um, you know, where you actually end up, and you know, I'm a great believer in that. If things are meant to be, they'll be. So whether that's for TNS, for for Connors Key, or for for Barry, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. I've seen it so many times in my career where you just think, "Wow, where's that come from? How did that happen?" You know, we we played TNS in my first season at the club to get into the top six yeah. at home and we beat them 2-0 and when I think of that team that we had on the pitch that day you know I think we had a penalty we had a penalty after five minutes and then four minutes later Les scored a header from a corner 2-0 and then we just shut up shop they never had a shot on target and you're thinking afterwards how's that come about you know and we 
it just worked its way out and then you, you end up going up get into Europe through the playoffs so um, you know, I'm a great believer that the things are meant to be they'll be you mentioned um, you touched on the TV there Scorio I'm here off my own back today mm-hmm. they're, they're not paying me for this no. so we can talk frankly yes as a manager in the Welsh Premier League <clears throat> what's your genuine opinion of the televised game I, I look at it from the outside not from the outside obviously I'm, in, I'm inside the circle but you think it provides coverage for the Welsh Premier League. It, it gives your players, yourself as a manager, um, just the opportunity to be seen, if you yeah, like. Yeah. But obviously, you don't get paid the amount of money that clubs get paid from the Premier League, if you like. You, no. you know, it's not that sort of product. And all of a sudden, this because of the TV, kickoff times are changing. Maybe mm-hmm. there's more games on a Friday night, on a Saturday night. Lads don't want that. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Because I know some managers are quite crit- critical of it. Yeah, I, I was at, um, at the Manchester City game couple of weeks ago and actually for a podcast was asked about that it was a Monday night game against Wolves on on Sky you know and the same question was put to me then you know when basically the television people you know are the ones that pay the money you know now in the in the English system you know so they everybody adheres to their demands and they have to that's the way football's gone now you know and um, hopefully it will never go to the point where you'll be Kicking off even later to to you know to fill a market abroad, yeah. you know you'd like to think there's some sort of structure to it. But for a Monday night Premier League game, you know, was at an eight o'clock kickoff was quite a tough one. Going back to Scorio, I think the, I think the coverage is fantastic. You know, I think the platform that we're given as managers to to learn, yeah, you know, is invaluable. You know the the European experiences that we have to pitting yourself in your preparation before those games and then actually putting yourself into that environment, I think is absolutely invaluable that you'd never get you know if you were in the conference or the or the even the yeah. second division you're not opening yourself up to those demands the television is good because you know it's um to my cost on a few occasions i've had a microphone put in front of me you know straight after a game when emotions are raw very difficult you know <clears throat> uh, i i i kind of do you know i always try and be as open and honest as i can and try and be you know try and say it how I feel it at the point um, and sometimes you get that wrong you know and so you learn from that and uh, and then hopefully if you're you know one day you're lucky enough to to be asked those questions on a bigger stage you'll have learned from the lessons that you learned you know from from when my time time in the Welsh League I think the coverage I think the you know the, the dual commentary is, is great you, you know Welsh and and then the English speaking and um, and of course you know I say to the players you know what what you tell me another league in, in the UK, you know, apart from the Premier League or to the Championship, where you're actually getting a platform to be on the television and show your talents yeah. week in, week out, and show what you're about and get the coverage that we get is, uh, you know, it's a great opportunity and it's a selling point to players because the gates are difficult, especially for, you know, you take Carnarvon out of it and everybody seems to be struggling modern day. Um, I think that's a byproduct really of uh, of the of the sky and the coverage you get you know on a Saturday afternoon do I go and watch Connors Key or do I sit in the bar and have a pint and I watch Liverpool Chelsea and yeah. straight after it Arsenal against you know United it's it's very very difficult so um, you know the selling point I think is a, is, is a big thing I know Michael Bakari when he came into the club I'm just looking at him on the on the on the, the um, on the wall up there now and you know that was a point you know he wanted somewhere to showcase how good a player he actually is that was what our selling point's what it's there for you do you know and, and I think he's done exceptional since he came in I, I had something similar going up to Scotland so um, leaving Norwich had Terry Butcher on the phone and you're thinking 
right, your manager's in Vanessa. I know you were born in Vanessa, but I didn't know where it was at the time. No. I'm not a stupid guy, but I had to Google. So I sat in my car, I've told this story before, I sat in my car, put it in the sat nav, 560 miles, and I felt sick. Yeah. Thinking, oh my God, nobody goes to Inverness if things are going well, with the greatest of respect. Yeah. You know, I had my injuries and that. Um, but one of the big factors he said was, listen, Sky Sports, I don't think it was BT at the time, but Sky Sports, plenty of games. You get to play at Ibrox, you get to play at Celtic Park, um, and these guys, these games will be televised. Mm. So it's, a, it's the exact same thing, isn't it? But yeah. it takes time to adapt. I guess it's normal for you. I think I've spoken to Nev Powell, Tommy Morgan, mm-hmm. who were managers when the TV started coming in. Yeah. And they've, they've been managing at this level for whatever length of time. Yeah. And all of a sudden, as you say, you get beat, there's a microphone in your face. I think, I'm not sure which one of them it was, turned around to the cameraman and the presenter and just said, fuck off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Whereas over time, it just adds that sense of professionalism to the Absolutely. league, doesn't it? Absolutely. Which is raises your standards as well. You yeah. Know, how you want to conduct yourself and how you want to come across. And again, like, you know, I've said it's something that um, that I, I've enjoyed, you know, especially when you win, you know, um, when we won the playoffs and a final at home and you know the young girl interviewed me and you you know it was just it was like a magical moment you things that I'll never forget yeah and then the flip side is getting interviewed coming off one nil against Bala you know and then I think Nikki put a camera <laughs> in front of me like you know and said but how do you feel and uh, how you know and of course you're you're very blunt and to the point but um, yeah it's it's uh, very very lucky to have the opportunity has it co- has it cost you in your in your wallet. Oh, absolutely. Well, quite a absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, on a few occasions. What do you do? What do you, so you have to wait. Do you know it's coming? I'm going to get fined here. Do you look at yourself in the mirror and, and say, I think oh, bloody there's hell. a balancing act. And I think it's really important that if you feel really strongly about something, you might just have to take the fine to and get you're your an point. You're an emotional guy as well. To get your point across. Do you know when if they well you know if I get my point across and it gets out there, would I feel there was an injustice against me or against my team and it cost me five hundred quid? It'll be worth. If is it worth five hundred quid? And and I think in a couple of occasions I've been there. I think it's been worth it because you know I, I I've made my point how strongly I feel about something. Yes, it's wrong. Yes, you can't say it, but it needed to be said and it cost me and I'll take it on the chin yeah. and you know and move on. So for a guy like you, Andy, we mentioned getting beat by Carmarthen, the last game before the split, it's often said in football, isn't it, before an international break or you want to get that win going into the break. So that doesn't happen for you. How long does it take you to recover? Is it not until the next the next win? Is it is it stewing on your mind? No, different managers have different views on it. You know, there's managers who, who want to put it to bed very early after the game and get out what needs to be said and move on. Other people will say, let's leave it till Monday morning. We left it to the Tuesday because I came in after the game and I thought on reflection of the game in 95th minute, motions were, you know, there was a couple of individual mistakes and I, and I felt that if I started, then you can open a can of worms and it can get very... In the dressing room straight Yeah, after. it can get very messy and very ugly very, very quickly um, when the motions are that high. In my experience, I came in and I just said, you know, not what we wanted, it's not a good day. I said, let's. I said, get in the showers. I said, and we'll look at it again in the week. And the lads know you're sulking. Yeah, I think well, they they're probably a big sigh of relief for a few of them. Who, <laughs> you know, who made individual errors yeah, yeah. that led to the goals. Probably think, thank God for that. We watched the game on the Tuesday night, and and then by then you're, you know, you're still looking at it as a, as a professional, and and the mistakes are still the same, but you're not dealing with it in the same, you know, 
the same kind of intensity that and the aggression that's in you at that point. So you know we got all our points across and we had a you know a really really good video analysis of the game and so many good points that were made where um, you know I just think if after the game if it you know if it started then it could have got because of the, just just purely the way the game went they're down to ten men and it's ninety sixth minute you know and we've made two or three bad errors of judgment which has allowed them to get in and then a couple of mistakes and then there's a penalty you know and it's too late it's game over and I said after the game congrats you know well done to Camarthen well done you know it's um, I thought their desire was fantastic on the day and I thought you know I, I'm never somebody that comes in and if I win a game of football I find it easier to moan about things yeah. that are out of my hands than if I lose a game if I lose a game then I've lost it you know you move on you know, try and be gracious and um and, and look at where I could have been better or the players could have been better or, or our our um, preparation during the week. Try and break it down and find out, did we let ourselves down in some way? And uh, and if we didn't, you sleep slightly better. If there was something that you could have done that you didn't do or you missed out something, um, then that's, you know, then it, that eats at you. But um, I guess you're also dealing with a team that are having a successful season so far. So it's not as if you're seeing those mistakes week after week. It would probably be the case if you're going into the second and third time that this is happening, mm. then you'll feel this needs to happen in the dressing room. We, yeah. need, we need to have it out yeah. sometimes, don't you? Even though it's harder to do these days with, with how footballers are. Yeah. I'm guessing you've got a dressing room of players that you've recruited lads who can sometimes take the rocket. Yeah, I, I've got, um, you know, there's people I've, I haven't I've been with me for years and, you know, and there's, there's a bond there and a respect, you know, and there's... there's to give like an example, uh, uh, George Haram, Danny Harrison, Ian Kearney, in the four years I've worked with them, I've never had to say nothing. Because I know if it, there's a mistake, if I know something doesn't go right, it's a genuine, you know, it's not down to lack of preparation or lack of intensity or or their focus wasn't there, do you know? And, and training's about that as well. Do you know, it's not just about when you train, especially at the part-time level. It's not about being there physically. It's about being there mentally. Take your head with you. Mm. Because people can drift around for an hour and a half in training and then go home and not even know they were at the training session. So actually taking your awareness into the training session and, and being there is so much so more important than being there physically. Mm. Because um, it's lads have been working all day and you know, that's why we're trying to go full-time and become more professional. But lads have been working all day and you whether you're on a railroad carrying wires or whatever you're doing, a postman, come in, it's very hard to let that go at the door and then come in. And that's what I ask the players, you know, just leave your work behind, leave the wife behind, leave your problems behind and come and do something that you've been paid to do and something that you love. Remember when you were a 10-year-old boy and you'd have took three buses a train to get to a training session because you loved football. Yeah. Got to find that again. Have to find that, that love for the game. And then everything else falls into place. So how will that work then? If you want to go professional, have, have you got a handful of players who are full time now? We've or? got um, we've been up to thirteen. I think we're at eleven now. You know, we want to. We obviously want to get that to eighteen, nineteen. You know, going forward into next season, and some you know some of them have come from part time environment where they've been working and getting a wage, and then they've been playing their football. You know, but I've managed to kind of persuade them to look at the opportunity, take a year, 18 months, two years out of your life and just see how good you could have been. Just give yourself a chance. Yeah. You know, how fit could you be? How good could you be? Um, and then if you, you know, if you, if you come up short, then at least you've given it a go because, you know, regret's huge. You know, the amount of times you look back on your career and think, just if I'd done that, if I'd just given a bit more, do you know, and 
if I'd given more commitment, dedication, if and you know just how good could I have been? So you know with your your Jay Owens and your Wiggies and Wolfies who have come from part time and then gone full time, um, you know like Danny Holmes has always been in a full time environment, so nothing changes. Mm-hmm. The way he conducts himself, the way he trains, is just a person who knows that this is my job this is what I do, do you know, my life is football, mm. where, you know, the other lads have had work and all that, and, and just, just that crossover, it's, um, it's been, uh, it's been challenging, Callum Morris has come in, you know, I think I've done really well this season, you know, he's grown for the full-time programme, yeah. and, um, and changing the mentality, you know, that you are a professional sportsman, you know, and, and this is what you do, this is your life, do you yeah. know, and, um, and it's, uh, it's good. You sound there, you know, you're obviously making plans whether it's baby baby steps or whatever, big plans for next season already. You're talking about commitment, you want that from your players. Have you got aspirations of stepping, I can't even say full-time football because it's probably, your, you see this job as full-time, yeah. but into the into the football league, that has to be on the radar somewhere down the line. I've, I've answered that the same way and, I, and I'm being, honestly being sincere that um, I have to give my full attention and focus to what I'm doing. I can't have my my mind thinking they're struggling in the second division. I'm going to go and maybe get a Tuesday night and watch them or I'll send somebody. Once I take my eye off what I'm doing, I think that then will reflect my, my personality and the players will sense it. The players will sense straight away that there's, there's not the same demands. The, 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 the amount of times that players um, react and work off your eyes and your voice and your intensity, you just see it like, not 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 to the level of, God bless him, he's just passed away, Windsor Davis, you know, as an out-and-out sergeant major, you know, just demanding that. But players sense when you're not at it. They sense the importance of a game sometimes by the way you conduct yourself and the way you speak to them. They look into your eyes and if they see that, and if my mind's somewhere else, I know that I won't be that same person. So I'm focusing completely 100% on, on taking Collins Key as far as I possibly can and ultimately challenging TNS. If on the basis of that success, somebody comes along and says, do you know what, there's another avenue there, maybe we could look outside of the loop of what's the normal yeah. and maybe look at somebody, then that's fine. You know, and um, I think as my contract begins to come to an end, I think that might become more evident. I think going into my last year, um, which is this summer, you know, if, if, if there's not a longer commitment from the club, then I would have thought that that would be a natural process then would be to look at opportunities after my contract ends but at the moment we're just full on you know Welsh Cup Iron Brew Cup the league we've got everything to to play for and um, you know and I'm really excited about these next three months on a on a personal level as well to challenge yourself you know to see how you react you're still finding out a bit you know I'm three years now into management and before that I was assistant manager with Andy finding out how you work yourself you know you're not the sometimes the person you actually think you are do you know sometimes you're stronger than what you actually believed and in other areas you're weaker uh, you know with um the pressure of games and the way you react and the way you feel do you know and um and that's a still a learning curve i'm still very very young when you think of nev who's been in you know for as many years and colin's been in this for so many years you know that that that, that experience and that, that ability to carry on winning you know i, I i'm i'm very very committed and dedicated to what I do I watch so many games and and a, a couple of years ago I was down at, went to Camarthen on a Saturday afternoon to watch a game I was driving back up and I was speaking to another manager on the way back up and he said to me about you know all the amount of games you go to and all that and you know and I was thinking well I'm 
a year into this job, like, you know, it's how I see it. You know, if in 15 years' time, I'm like, Nev, if I'm still doing it then, yeah. you know, then I'd give myself a pat on the back because this is, you know, when you've done it year after year after year and you're still getting results and you're still getting the cup finals and Colin's still getting into Europe, you know, after that many years, to have the appetite still, yeah. I think it's remarkable. I can see the glint in your eye, you know, the passion that, mm. that, that is there. You must have had to change your in that three years and probably during your time as an assistant manager you've probably had to had to change your style if you like of management mm. because I can see the intensity mm. but we, we touched on it these days mm -hmm. players are different mm -hmm. so what you would have seen as something you needed as a player that rollicking or something which yeah. is something I'm pretty convinced you're more than capable of giving out to your players yeah, yeah, when yeah. the time is right yeah. But you have to pick and choose, don't you? I agree. I, I totally agree. And, and, and it's like an ongoing topic in conversation now in older generation managers and footballers saying, oh, the people that are coming through, they're not like we were. They're not, they're not brought up the same way. They're not, they don't have the same intensity. They don't have the same demands. They've not been through adversity to create the character. Mm -hmm. But for me, I think I had this conversation actually with somebody I've got a lot of respect for a few weeks ago. And, and he said to me that um, what you're looking for in players... He said, you're still looking for the same qualities that you always look for in a man. Mm. Is he honourable? Is he honest? Is he hardworking? Does he, is he selfless? Does he, does he put other people first? So, yeah, he might have a little chip on his shoulder because of the way people are these days or the way they're brought up or the way they see life. They're a very strong opinion, young men nowadays. Before, my age, you didn't have an opinion. You listened to the manager, the senior players, and that was it. Yeah. You didn't have an opinion until you earned the respect. But youngsters do have an opinion and a strong opinion now. But within that, if they've still got them good qualities and the characters of what you know you'd like, you'd like your father to see you as, or yeah. you'd like to see in your son, they've got them qualities. Then that's fine because they'll always be a winner. They'll always be successful. They'll always come through. There'll be blips and all that, but they're not a bad egg. You know, I think people confuse it with well, they've got an opinion and all that. Yeah. They're a bad egg. No, they're not. If you can find them qualities within them. Like I say, the qualities who you say, yeah, that's a proper man. And I and I go back to it, Danny Harrison, George Horan, Callum Morris, Jay Owen, Mike Wilde, they're all proper men. So their qualities will never change whatever age group they're in, you know? It, it is more, I think young players have more power these days yeah. because of the resale value that clubs see them as a commodity, if you like. And I think young players know that. They're more important than, you know, I saw it towards the end of my career. Senior player, legs are gone. And you've seen these young lads who, who are voicing their opinions more and more in the, in the dressing room, whereas previously they stay quiet. Mm -hmm. It's just football evolving, if you like, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You know? But like I say, that youngster who's got a voice and got an opinion, if he hasn't got them qualities that we spoke about, yeah. he won't be respected, he'll wither away. But if he's got them qualities and he wants to win and he wants to go the extra length and he wants to work harder than he ever, and he has a, you know, he has a desire inside him to be the best that he can possibly be, those things you, you don't even see. You just see that quality, do you know? And, um, and yeah. The problem know. can come, Andy, with you're looking at the Craig Bellamy situation at the moment without yeah. knowing the ins and outs. No. I, I know Craig as a, as a guy, I would imagine, high standards, yeah. demands a lot from his players. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what's gone on. No. But I would imagine you can't treat... I say you can't. I think football is going that way, youth team football especially, where you almost have to treat everyone exactly the same. Yeah. That's not how you make professional footballers and, and, and men, really, is it? That's not how you shape people. No. And the shame for Craig at the moment is it seems 
the days of being innocent until proven guilty. It's on the flip. You're guilty until proven innocent. Yes, absolutely. Know? Very, very difficult. And again, you know, really, really good guidelines from within a club, you know, and the structure of what you must do and what you can't do. The camp, there, there is no grey area anymore. It's neither right or it's wrong. There's yeah. no like, what he was, you know, because that's the social media driven world we live in. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, Craig's not the only one. There's, Kevin McDonald, I think at Aston Villa, yeah. had similar, and these will be good people. They'll be good, honest, hard-working. There'll be people who, you know, and I don't know anything about the individuals who they're against, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're people who have drifted out of the game, mm. and those qualities that we spoke about earlier on might have been missing a little bit. Like I say, I don't, I don't know the insides and outsides, but I know that I know what Craig Bellamy would have gone through as a footballer to be the very best he could be and the standards, the same as Kevin McDonald, the same as the coaches. I know what they would have had to do to get to where they, they were. And those qualities would have been about what we've spoke about, you know, about wanting to be the to winning, you know, and a, and a strong mentality throughout your career. And, and you want to try and get that across to young men, you know, that you've got to make these sacrifices, you know, you've got to go the extra if you want to be the best that you can be. And sometimes, you know, it's, uh, it gets mixed up in the message, you know, and, 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 and perhaps, you know, I, I hope it gets, um, I really do hope it gets solved very quickly and amicable and everybody's happy, you know, the, the, the lad and Craig, because, you know, he, like I say, I played against Craig a couple of times and, um, and I could see those qualities within him, you know, there was no, he's just a proper man. I was, how, how did those games go? Um, was he chirping in your ear? Yeah, non-stop. Did he go on the other side of hand? No, no, non-stop, proper, do you know? And, Paid uh, in the ass. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very, very, very difficult opponent, but incredibly strong inner belief in what he was about and all that, you know, and, and intimidated by nobody and didn't respect anybody. You know, in the sense of respect you as a human being, but not so far, you know, I'm here to win a game of football. Yeah. And I don't care how I've got to win it, but yeah. I will be better than you on the day and you know, I can't help but respect that. The things we're talking about, football changing maybe off the pitch, but on the pitch, it must kill you a little bit to see how the game is perceived as being softer now. Mm-hmm. You know, your type of player, what you would have been back in the day, mm-hmm. you would have been punished quite a lot. Maybe that's yeah. why you're sent to have George mm-hmm. Horan he's been sent off so many times, because there has been that change. Yes. That's got to be tough to see. It, it it is difficult, but you know, like I say, I don't want to be a dinosaur. You know, you have to, you have to move with the times, there's, and, and there's a there's a balance. I wasn't this I, tough tackler, but no, I, I think football is going to be non-contact in in a few years time. Yes, and um, I think, you know, you look at the Vincent Company tackle against Liverpool, and yeah. then the 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 Wolves player tackled. You know, oh, and yeah. you know you you win the ball, but your momentum takes you into the opponent and. I, I can't remember the last time there was a tackle in the Welsh League that really hurt someone. I can't remember ever having a hatchet man in the Welsh League who everybody knows he's going out to try and hurt somebody. That that's not in our, you know, that's not in our league at all. But I do think it's very very passive the contact and what's seen as a foul, which then leads to a combination of fouls, which leads to a yellow, which leads to one mistake, a red card, yeah. and. I, I don't know for sure, but I'd say we aren't far off in the Welsh League, probably the most red cards in European football across yeah. the league. You know, because I look at the page some days after the results and all you just see is just red, red, two games, I think, red, 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 red. And I'm just thinking that's not the league that I see. Yeah. There isn't um, that brutality in that. I'll tell you what, the Northern Ireland Premier League, 
I'll tell you what, if if if, if our lads were refereeing over there, it would be 8v8 every week because it is really, really... I saw really one game on a Friday night. I don't think there was any other games on. And a friend of mine was playing. And this one tackle, I thought, you you need to go to jail for that, mate. Oh, yeah. That was... Yeah. And it's a or a yellow card because they are proper, you know. I, I understand that there's... Um, assessors in the crowd and those assessors are answerable to somebody else so you know so the rules and what's expected is f- is filtering down and then ultimately the referee has to go and carry out what he's been instructed to do yeah. but um, yeah I-, I do find it frustrating but I also mindful that the game has changed and you know you I, s- I-, I try to get across to my players and I think it's really important I don't want you going to ground hard unless you're blocking a shot 12 yards out then you throw your body everything. There's no point in a striker going across to a fullback in the modern day and, and sliding in, and then he kicks the ball up the line and the striker catches him and he's a red card. It's pointless. Yeah. So it's, we almost have a zero tolerance. I don't want anybody going to ground and le- your legs hanging out unless you're trying to stop a shot on goal that might prevent a goal. Then there's no, you know, there's that chances of getting them reds because it can be a complete and utter mistake, just a lack of timing innocent and you're off the pitch now and leaving your team down to 10 and especially with where we are now in the league with the last 10 games you can't afford to go down to 10 men in any game I'll also I'm not going to remind you of it because you won't be happy but if I see one of your games this season and I see a little 50-50 in centre midfield or a 60-40 in their favour and your your midfield man doesn't go in or is a striker who doesn't close down a fullback and they score from that Yeah. so it's it's just that balance isn't it it is a balance try not to go to ground don't go to the ground and don't slide in unless, like I say, you're you're putting it, there's a reason for doing it, um, because the the balance between a, a a good tackle, a yellow, and a red is so small these days that you know a, a referee can see something that he believes is a red card, and so don't give them the opportunity. You know, stick to the rules the best we can. You know, respect them and 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 uh, and try to stay away from giving fouls away because ultimately, two or three fouls now will get you a yellow and then one body check, yeah. one mistimed, you're off the pitch. So, you know, it's that's the way the rules are now. We've all got to we've all got to play the same set. We'd be foolish not to talk about Man City. You've referred to them a few times. Are you still a club ambassador? Yes. Yeah. Well looked after. You try Fantastic. and get to as many games as possible. Yeah. yeah? Every game that um, I'm not obviously committed to. Connor's key. I can get to the games, and you know, I still, in the summer when it, uh, I like, I went out to Jersey last year. I went to Belfast. Went to Dublin Supporters Branch. You know, the club flew us out for that, and yeah, just just great to be part of it. You know, great to be part of, of of a club that are, you know, right at the top of their game. Isn't it strange how sometimes you, just signing for a club, your your face just fits. Mm. Everything just comes together nicely. You mm-hmm. had the success with Man City. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, you you then get looked after for for many years to come. I mean, timing in life, isn't it? Oh so my god! Important. You know, I, I had four four years at Swansea, loads of injuries, mm. um, but still have that affinity. And, mm. and you know, even with the fans, and then I see friends who who are proper club legends. Yeah, how how well they're looked after. Yeah, it must be such a nice feeling. However things, however bad things are going, whether it's your life, Koniski, yeah. you know you can turn up at the Etihad. Yeah, you get looked after. I do. It's like I say, it's 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 very humbling when, you know, you're mentioned in the same breath as some of the great players that played there over the years. You know, and and life is about timing, being in the right place at the right time. You know, um, to get this opportunity at Koniski, you know, with a, a club that were 
yeah, bottom of the league, but obviously there was an ambition there. The chairman wanted to 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 take the club to another level. You know, there was a um, you know the he, it, the club was funded and real a real future plans of where he wanted to take it. You know, and that timing was was right for me at that point. Same when I went to City. You know, the club was struggling in the second division. I went in, and within sort of six weeks, I was the club captain. And then we went back to back promotions from the depths of there to the Premier League. So, you know, now we were the, obviously with the Abu Dhabi investment, take the club to another level, yeah. but they never forget exactly where they were and the people that played a part in turning that round because there have been, I don't want to say mercenaries, but there have been so many people there for so many. There was 46 players at the club when I went to my first day training. It was three different changing rooms. Yeah. And the lads who were in the top changing room were earning three times what the lads who were playing on a Saturday afternoon for the first team such as the way the club had gone and um, and I think the fans you know bought into that and and they don't forget and yeah we get we get treated very very well and looked after and yeah, I did the Norwegian supporters branch a couple of Sundays ago and there were 60 come across and it was just magical it was just it was just lovely you know to be part of that and those memories and them thoughts it's 20 years now this year since we had the playoff final so we're all getting together, you know, when the club are doing a big um, a dinner around that. So it'll, it'll be great. Yeah, nice. Um, Man City, I think the Etihad have got one of the best media dinners. That's how I know. Mm. You know, the Emirates and the Etihad, yeah. you know you're going to get well fed. Yes, yeah. You know, they, everyone who goes there, they, 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 they go that extra length to, to make it work. But you told the captaincy within six weeks. Mm. Is that something that you wanted when you went to a club? Did you look at who the captain was and th- thought to yourself... I, I can do that job better. No. Or, or was no. it just something inside just you? Just inside you. Do you know, I, I captained Plymouth at 17. Um, after I made my debut, I was the youngest player ever to captain Plymouth. I went to Blackburn with Kenny Dalglish and I, I captained the reserves until I got into the first team. I went to Blackpool. I was a captain at Blackpool. went to Huddersfield. I was a captain at Huddersfield. went to City. I was a captain there. And It's not about going into a club and saying, you know, I want to be the captain. You just be who you are. And I think people see those qualities that winning mentality, you know, when people buy into it and they follow you. And I think if people can follow you yeah. um, and they see that, you know, the leader or the captain is breaking his leg every training session, every game, gives everything he possibly can to win a game of football, then people respect that. You know, I'm, I'm very proud that, along with Stanley Matthews and Jimmy Armfield, I'm in the Blackpool Hall of Fame. That means a hell of a lot to me, that, you know, and I only played 60 games for them. But that's, you know, I'm in the... 90s team of the decade at Huddersfield you know I did something right when I was at those clubs they saw something yeah. and I'd like to think those qualities that we spoke about earlier on you know what what you want from a man I'd like to think I had them qualities and people saw it and um, and they remember it because at the end of the day a football fan is normally somebody that wants to play for the, their football club and when they see somebody who's on the pitch who just gives it's too easy to say gives everything every game but it's more than that it's a uh, it's almost an illness, the need to win, you know, the need to compete. And I always say to the players, it, it, every single game comes down to... Because back in our day, we knew what the team we were playing with. You know, it was 4-4-2. I'm coming up against you on a Saturday. And all I can think about from Wednesday onwards is your face. Yeah. Or oh, I can't get you out of my head because I'm playing you Saturday. And there's no way are you going to be better than me on Saturday. I'm going to dominate you from start of the finish to the end of the game. 
what used to confuse me was when you didn't play and somebody else plays. I've not had, I've not had to say, what would you be like now when you're coming up? Are oh, they playing a false number nine? Play, exactly. You, you, you'd be on the hunt for someone. Exactly, because you know that's that suited me down to the ground. If I could dominate you, I've done my job. I can sleep tonight because I've had the better of you in the game. And if you've got eight or nine in your team that are matching that, you're going to win the game. Mm. Like you say, you know, Saturday somebody else will be playing. You think, well, I've not had it in my head <laughs> for three days, you know. So, and um, and I try and stall that in the players, you know, try and win your individual battle and make it as personal as you can and if we've got 60-70% of the team are doing that we're going to win that game of football or it's going to be very hard to lose it if we can win those battles How do you switch off Andy? Because you know intensity is a word that I would use to, to describe you with yeah. the, the greatest of respect Yeah. but how do you switch off? Because you can't, you, your mind can't be thinking about it all the time surely I think there's a good question I was asked that um, a couple of weeks ago because I don't drink now it's 20 years, January the 28th, it's 20 years since I last had a drink of alcohol. For a reason? Did you use yeah, a little bit crazy? Yeah, excessive, completely excessive and, um, you know, um, probably directed my career in many parts, you know. It's you know, it's nice for Joe to say in Joe uh, Ronnie's autobiography that Andy Morrison should have played 50 times for his country. Mm. It's nice to read that, but it's also the flip side of it is, why not? Why not? Mm. Do you know when I... And I think when I went to Blackburn at 21 for half a million pounds, you know, as the best young centre-half in the lower leagues and just the way I conducted myself through a lack of knowledge and ignorance, really. Um, when you look at sports science nowadays, what you know about the human anatomy and the body and what you need to do to be the best, no knowledge of that whatsoever. And, and yeah, so I got to 28 and decided, you know, I need to stop this. I've got to take a different view, you know, direction in my life. That came very much from Joe Royal. You know, I sat down with Joe after I'd been on another one of my three-day escapades where I just went, I disappeared for three days. Yeah. And uh, and I came back in. I knew I was in trouble with Joe, and and I sat down in the office. And I think Dennis Stewart, one of the directors, who were in the chain, was in there as well. Like you know, then what, what's going on? I said, I said, look, I've done that. Like, I promise you, I won't let you down again. I won't let the club down. I won't this whatever. And Joe just looked at me straight in the eye and he said, well, what, what about you? I said, what do you mean? He said. He said, you won't let me down. He said, people let me down all my life. He said, you won't be letting me down. He said, you won't be letting the club down. He said, what about you and what you can achieve and what you should have achieved in your life? First time anybody had turned it round. Because for me, it was always, sorry, 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 I won't do it again. Mm. But it was, what about you, do you know? And um, and that was a big, big moment in my life, do you know? And, and from then on, like I say, it's been 20 years this year since I've had a drink. So going back to where we were, I can't finish a game and go and have two or three pints and then just relax and chill out and forget about it you know I'm switching off I'll be perfectly honest with you I, I don't switch off you know it's um, what we spoke about earlier on losing games of football are catastrophic winning games of football are a relief and I think that's football do you know I think at the end of a season when you sit down and you look at what you've achieved over the year and you're qualified for Europe or you win the cup then there's a sense where you kind of yeah for a day and then you're planning for the next and you're planning for Europe but there is that sense then you know those few days a week ten day you know going into two weeks before you start again your prep for Europe there's that period there where you just you know you're fulfilled because you've done what your objective was yeah and um, you can't you can't tell me you don't head to the gym and I go yeah those biceps are going <laughs> to poke my eye out a minute <laughs> no I go um yeah, I find uh, 
I find that helps. You know, I do go to the gym every day, and I'm a big music fan. You know, I spend a lot of time, and it's almost it almost feels like a meditation at times, just to sit and just listen to music. You know, and I find that quite relaxing. Um, but you know, even then, your your head's already going back to the next game, the next what you could have done better. You know, um, how you're training for this week and leading up into the opposition that you're playing against. You know, have we got enough information on them, how they're playing, what they're doing? You know, and it all starts again. Yeah, I. I often look at like Mourinho and Wenger and people who've been at the top of there and they're obsessed, almost obsessed with it. And I think, you know, if I was that wealthy, would I still have that desire at 65, 70 to carry on doing it? I don't, I think I'd rather be in Barbados, you know, with the grandchildren lapping it up on a beach somewhere. At that age, you know, I, I, I don't see myself at 60s working to this this level of intensity and and the demands that you put on yourself um do you not think it's like a drug though and i i've got friends who um are in management now and their plan was so gary monk at birmingham mm -hmm. and he says i want to manage until i'm whatever age so he'll be late 30s now wants to manage until he's 45 or 50 whatever mm -hmm. the figure he said to me and i'm thinking no mm -hmm. i can see it it's in your blood mm -hmm. now you're, yeah. you're, it's not going to be as easy as just stepping no, away. Gary came onto our pro license last year and, and gave a lecture, you know, and I was very, very impressed with him. Very impressed. Probably out of all the speakers I had on my pro license, he probably had the most effect in actually what he said, and you could take, you could see his in him, you know, that, um, that desire. Away, isn't it? It, I, yes, it is. And like you say, you don't know until you actually step away from it, and then your Saturday afternoons or your Tuesday evenings or your Monday now or, now, or when, you know, when we train, you know, what, how do you fill that time? Because you know yourself when we finish football, that's what, you know, what do normal people do in their lives? You know, we, yeah. we're, we're almost regimental in what we do. You train then, you do this, you can go there, you go to the doctor, you come back, you do it, and your life's just structured. And um, so I'd imagine football very much the same, you know, fortunately, touch wood, I'm three years now, not been sacked yet. So I don't know what it's like to be out, but... No doubt that'll come. Yeah. Well, listen, we best wrap this up because Craig, your assistant, just came in and gave me a dirty look. Um, <laughs> and you've got planning to do. You know, you're planning for the rest of the season. You're planning on hopefully being in Europe. How, mm -hmm. how is it for you as a manager to make those plans in that you have that break at the end of the season and you have to plan for Europe? You mm -hmm. want to peak because that's why you're working hard through, throughout the season is to get there. Mm -hmm. that, that break must kill you. It's... Um... Or is there no break for your players? There's very little break, you know. Um, I believe it's almost a 50-week season for, for the Welsh managers who qualify for Europe. I've been in Europe now um, the last six years. And, you know, last year we won the Cup, I think, about the 13th of... May. 13th of May. And we were back in full-time training on the 1st of June. Okay. You know, and then those two weeks I had... 12 players that I had to renegotiate contracts with and re-sign people so every day people you're either meeting somebody at Cheshire Oaks or you're meeting somebody somewhere in a hotel and you're trying to so you never switch off and then before you know it you're back in and you're preparing for what is a lottery a complete lottery the European draw mm. you know uh, the excitement and the the adrenaline around you know actually when the draw takes place at um, Geneva it, it's a it's a fantastic experience. Anybody who's experienced it will say it's great. You know, people across you get phone calls. You're in this pot. You're in that pot. You could get that, and it it really is exciting. But the reality of Gothenburg or Botte Barasov, 
that's it. It then becomes a complete damage limitation. And how do we go about not letting the league down? Yeah. Not just the cells, but you know, you don't until Welsh League and you used to see the ten nils and the fourteen nils and all that. It then becomes a damage limitation. You're hoping so much that you get a team that you can have a go at and you're on an evil lane playing field. But make no mistake, you get one of them top European Scandinavian teams you are purely going onto the pitch trying to keep the score down. Because they're peaking, they're, they're, they're mid-season. And they're top, top, top players. You know, we played Vojvodina a couple of seasons ago, um, Serbian league, and wow, wow. And players that you've never heard of, because I, I remember playing for Bangor, European, we played against a team called Sartid from Serbia, mm-hmm. um, or the old Yugoslavia then, and then we played against the Romanian team and, and a team in Latvia. Players you've never heard of, mm. but they were doing things, wasn't they? Yeah, kid, so 17, good. 18. One, I remember one player playing a pass, and I'm thinking, I'm fucking getting here. And then on the bounce, he's put some backspin on it. So yeah. I'm thinking it's coming. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's spun away from me into the into the striker's path, if you like. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh my God, this shouldn't be happening. I've never no. heard of this guy. No. You know, but th- these are good, good players. Yeah, but they are. Is there a solution? Is, is summer football a solution? Not for me. No, it's quality of players. It's what you're paying your players and the players you're going to attract into your league. Um, that will help. Will summer football help when you play Gothenburg, when you play Vojvodina? No, not for me. It'll. It might mean that you're, you know, because we start on the first and we try and get half a dozen games in. Anyway, you know, we're we're purely going into a a game of football in a, in a the deepest block that you've ever imagined to try and curtail the opposition and then have fleeting moments where you might get a set play where we can get into their box, something that's structured. Yeah. Because when we played Vodvodina, the three best chances they had were when we had two long balls into their box and a long throw. That was the three chances they had because they were that. You know, There's three or four decisions to be made to get a shot off on your goal and all four decisions are right. Yeah. Bang, they're all the right way to pass, yeah. the right, the right, um, the right judgment on the movement, and bang, John Damage got to pull the save off. And it's because, so in the end, I think with about five minutes to go, we had a throw in, we had a corner, and we didn't put anybody in the box. We just went short yeah. and tried to keep it at nil nil. And um, the stats at the end of the game were 84% possession to Vodvodina, 29 shots on goal to our none, yeah. 21 corners to our one. Yeah. And we lost 1-0 in an 87th minute deflection. Do you know? And um, Heartbreaker. It was a heartbreaker because the lads just died on the pitch. And, you know, we, we still laugh about it now when, when I'm with George or I see Ian Kearney and they just think, you know, it was like 48 minutes and they're shouting across to the bench, how, how long left? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because You're asking the ref constantly. It was just incredible how good they were. Do you know, even um, Shakdor, uh, Solly Gorks this year, you know, they beat Bakhti Borisov, who played Chelsea, beat them 3-0 at home. Even, even they, the quality of the players, you know, Albanian internationals, eight Belarusian internationals, an Austrian international in their team, just top, top players. And how you think that you're going to go and beat them players when you're paying people 200 quid. Mm. Like, I, I've, I've said it very often, you know, with the, 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 the t- when TNS have come up against, I think they came up against Rekia a couple of seasons ago, and I think they got beat 7-0 or something. Like, you know, if if for that one game, TNS went and brought in 15 championship players who were on 10 grand a week for the one game, they'll still get beat. Yeah. Such is the gulf. It's huge. What can we do? We try and make it smaller. We try and come up tactically with ideas to try and stifle games and stay in them like we did against um, the Norwegian team. Um, God, I can't remember that many years ago. I'd be beating 1-0 with two two legs, you know, a full-time Tipper League team, which was uh, 
which was a fantastic achievement. You know, you hope that something might fall. You know, Hughes done it at Newtown. He won, got through a leg. Um, but it's very, very difficult. Do you, do you know what I hate is working in the media now and you might have two, three good years, Euro- European football for Welsh clubs, some good results, a couple of teams go through, respectable results against big teams. But then the one year where, as you said, you might the luck of the draw is mm. not kind yeah. and there's a couple of thumpings in there and mm. one maybe poor result yeah. that you expect better, all of a sudden the questions are coming, there's interviews, you know, is why bother? Should Welsh clubs be in Europe? Yeah. Is the standard getting worse? And I'm thinking, yeah. if you've if you if you've not played, you don't know, you don't realise the quality just because you've never heard of them yeah. on your championship manager or whatever. Yeah. It's frustrating. That's absolutely all. yeah, it is. But I think within the ranks of you know the Welsh system and the managers and the the people who who run the league, they understand they understand what you know what we're actually coming up against and um, and how difficult it is and. And like I say, you know, there is, there is absolutely no shame whatsoever in losing against one of these teams, these top teams. You know, you try and do your your best, and so your preparation is meticulous. Your players are as fit as you possibly can be. You've covered every avenue that you possibly can. Then you're a success. You're yeah. a winner, regardless of the result. You're a winner, and um, and that's what I've, you know, speaking to the players last week. We had a team meeting, you know, and. We covered all them areas. If everything is covered that we are in control of, and we make sure that we do those things with one hundred percent sincerity in everything that we do to end the season, what will be will be. But what you will be at the end of the season, no matter where you finish, top, second, third, fourth, you'll all be winners because that's what men do. That's what you do. That's how you conduct yourself and you carry yourself. You know because none of us can play God and saying, well, we we want this, we want that. No, you do football. It's probably the only business where the results aren't guaranteed. Do you know, no matter what you do, you think you know. You, I think Alan Sugar, his books talks about it perfectly. You know, in business, if you get those things boxed off, that becomes the result, and then at the end of it, we've got profit, and we're a forward-going company. Football stops back at the very start because you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with mistakes, errors, referees, judgments, days, and everything changes. So, you know, like I say, the boys just give me everything till the end of the season everything they possibly can and don't come up short in their commitment and their preparation, their desire to be the best that they can be. They'll, they'll, what will be, will be. Last two questions. First one, does it bother you, the criticism at times of the way that your team plays? I know that, um, I think after you beat Candidno and played some good stuff, I remember being on the phone in the car after the game, I was travelling yeah. home. And um, I thought, right, I'm on the phone here. I'm going to be going through Conway Tunnel in a minute, so I may as well pull up in this lay-by. So I pull up to finish the call. Next minute, there's another, there's a car next to me. I'm thinking, oh my God, who's this? Canarbon Win- fan. <laughs> <laughs> the windows are going down. I'm thinking, my God, what's happening here? And all I see is your head. So I say to whoever I was on the phone with, listen, I'm going to have to call you back here. It could be some trouble here. And you just said, you know, what what was that like, you know, for you and Malcolm Allen? Was that good enough for you? So, something along those lines. I don't know if we'd said yeah. something. Does that does that bother you? I know the answer, but the the the, the professional manager's um, answer would be no. Of course it doesn't. As a human being, of course it does. Of course but it does. But you use that, don't you? But you use it. You know, I, I think there's a, and the league becomes a bit institutionalized with the way TNS have done things over the years and the success that they've come on the back of the full-time exceptional players at our level 
and the professionalism that they had at their club has made them successful. Yeah. And I think people see that as that's the only way to do things. Do you know when? Um, and probably people wouldn't thank me for saying it, um, but in my six years in the Welsh Premier League, TNS have never won a game of football when they were the underdogs. And that's an incredible stat. So every time they've played, when they weren't expected to win, they've lost. Okay. And that whether it's St Mirren in the semi-final of the Cup. So the what they do for me, it, when you have the best players and everything's in place, it's the right way to do things. They're bullies in their own, in At their own 100%. way. 100%. Yeah, you don't want to use that, but it's a form of bullying. I use that in the, in the best possible description because it, you know they're bullying with the way that they play. Well, they do, beautiful like, football, yeah, but, yeah. When they, but then when the question comes with that way of playing, when you come into Europe or you come up against a team that um, are better than you, it comes up, it fails every time. So we're trying to find a way to win games of football with the players you've got, of course, with an open mind to be more expansive, to try and integrate better players into a way of playing. You know, if you look at the team that I had in my first year when I came in, when I had Ashley Ruan and um, Les Davis up top, Ash Ruan and Nick Rushton as my three front men, and then you had Jay Crowther, um, Miller in midfield, you know, if and then George Haran, Paul Linwood, Kevin McIntyre. If you think I'm going to go in straight in and try and be what TNS done or what City do and take those principles into it, we ain't getting into Europe. You know, you have a corporate responsibility to try and bring success in whichever way you play. And it is a structure that if you go and watch 80% of games right up to the top end of the championship everything will be based around our principles and what we do at Connors Key. Mm. Yes, there will be better players. Yes, there'll be phases of play where you keep the ball better. But the fundamentals will still be the same until you get to the elite level. You know, like um, I remember Kai Edwards saying to me that when he went to Wrexham and he threw a ball backwards and he played a, and he played a pass back towards his keeper. You know, they, they, they would play 25 passes in their own defensive third without one whisper from the crowd because there isn't a crowd same as, so it doesn't affect them he said he went there and played a backward pass and, and 2,000 fans started booing him down the side of the pitch so he dared play a backwards pass do you yeah, know? so yeah. you haven't got that sort of um, so there's there's many different ways to play football and I never say this is the right way or that's the right way if you're bringing success to the team that you have and winning games of football then you're not doing things too far wrong you know and like I say touch wood this will be my seventh year on the spin that I'll be experienced European football so we're doing something right last question who's going to win the league this year mm. I'm going to sit on the fence I'd say it's a fantastic race it's great you know and I hope it goes right down to them last two games when we play Barry at home and then TNS away beautiful I hope it goes down to that and um, you know that we can do the league proud and, and give it something to you know to generate the, the the excitement you know it's nice to see Nikki John with a smile on her face now because she's excited about the football rather than saying well it's all over now you know yeah. there's 10 games left everybody knows where it's going to go you know and I think that's fantastic for the league and I think it's fantastic for Scorio and um, you know like I say we'll be doing everything we possibly can to push it all the way they say the bookies aren't rich you know for there's a reason why they're, they're they're successful and they've got tns at six to one on and we're four to one barrier ten to one so the bookies give us no chance you prefer that don't you? yeah of course of course you know we're we're uh, we're all geared for the cup game against Kamara then 
and then after that we'll put that to bed and we'll look towards Newtown and one game at a time. With the Cup, we've got 15 games possibly left to play. And I said to the players last week, can we win 15 games? I say it's impossible. Can we win one game at a time? Absolutely. And that's how we'll be dealing with it. Beautiful. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. You could go on for another hour, I'm sure. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Good luck for the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers.